Good afternoon and welcome to Free to be Faithful. I'm moderator Kip Allen. Free to be Faithful is a religious liberty education and awareness program created by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in response to increasing governmental incursions into religious life. People of faith and our institutions have come under increasing attack in recent years from secular sources, but historical evidence proves that Christianity has been an overwhelmingly positive force in the world. Why did Europe emerge from the Dark Ages to see scientific inquiry flourish while the rest of the world seems stagnant? Well, an article published online web blog called I Apologia, titled 10 Reasons Why Christianity Ignited the Scientific Revolution, answers that question. Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty Executive Director, the Reverend Dr. Gregory Seltz, and I discuss this on today's Free to be Faithful. I'm Kip Allen, host of Free to be Faithful. With me, my guest today is the Reverend Dr. Greg Seltz, who is the Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. Greg, welcome to the program. Kip, it's great to be here. You and I were reading an intriguing article here. Yeah. And it basically was saying, why was it that modern science evolved from Western Europe after the collapse of the Roman Empire. I mean, we look back at some of the other societies. Right. There was the Chinese, there was the uh, uh, the, um, the Arabs gave us uh, mathematics, the Greeks Gibson, gave us yeah. philosophy and mm-hmm. mathematics, Romans and Mesoamericans were incredible engineers. And don't forget the Athenians. Though. And of course, mm-hmm. the Athenians. <laughs> yeah. But something stopped. Scientific method, yeah, wasn't part of their way of thinking. Well, this is, is, I think, maybe what happened, because with the, uh, the with the Dark Ages, with the collapse of the Roman Empire, all this stuff disappeared. Mm-hmm. But then this marvelous scientific explosion happened, and mm-hmm. it really started in Western Europe and really is continuing to this day. And the article that uh, we are reading here... That basically says it's because of Christianity. Now, well, you, I know that you're, you are a pastor, mm-hmm. and you're the head of the Center for Religious Liberty. Yes. But you were also a physics major. Well, back in the day, yeah, when I went to school, I thought I was going to be a, some, in some kind of research science or whatever when I was at the University of Michigan. And, and again, this whole debate of science and, and religion was an important part of my formation, and it's probably what drove me into the ministry. And so this article, when it talks about the Christian beliefs, and he talks about the, the presuppositions to, to, to earthly knowledge that are necessary for the scientific method to actually explode upon us um, you know, in Europe and then, of course, in America. And he's absolutely right. If you don't have those presuppositions, a lot of this stuff is still hidden. Well, for example, what are these presuppositions, and why, for example, didn't the Greeks have it? Well, I mean, again, a lot of other cultures did have some of these things, but here, I'll give you an example of the Greeks. You know, so here's one of the presuppositions, that the world is a rational world. It can be investigated, and what we find can be something we can count on. You know, that we can maybe do it again and do it again and do it again because it's an orderly world. Well, that's a presupposition to the knowledge you're now going to start to assess. The Greeks had that knowledge, but here's what they didn't have. They believed that that all things were rational and that the idea of coming to ultimate truth, you didn't put your fingers in the dirt. That was for the slaves and the plebeians to do. What you did is you used your mind and you thought you elevated your way of thinking. So they would have never 
done things like the scientific method in the dirt and testing things, you know, in the dirt. Well, here comes the Christian worldview that says, no, God actually sanctifies even the dirt, okay? He actually became a man, so he, he became part of this whole earthly thing. Well, for the Christians then, yeah, rationality, absolutely, but then even a willingness to put our fingers in the dirt because God actually sanctified that. That allows the explosion of the scientific method where the Greeks just never would have gone there. Well, the idea being that uh, our mind is rational, but we have to have a rational mind. The world right. is rational, but it was created by a rational being. Correct. And then, and then even just things like, uh, you know, if you apply force to something, there's an equal and opposite reaction to that force. Says who? <laughs> you know? I mean, there's a certain amount of that that comes observationally, but then there's a certain amount of that that has to be believed first. Well, if, if God is an orderly God, he creates an orderly world, and he creates a moral structure to the world, things that can be counted on, then, those, then there's barriers, there's opportunities, and, and there's a way of dealing with these things where we can count on the reaction. Well, that's what starts to compel the scientific movement in the West. Well, the scientific method, I think, is widely misunderstood. Right. Uh, people just talk about science without really knowing what they're talking about. Now, right. the scientific method is a specific method for investigation. You take an observation. You have a hypothesis on what will happen. You have an experimentation. You look at the results, and then you come to a conclusion. Correct. And then you, then you actually, then you challenge other scientists to see if they can disprove it. I mean, that's the whole point of science. Yeah. And when something starts to hold up over time, it becomes something that we can then count on and then base as a fun, fundamental knowledge to something else. But that's, that's a very encased process. And again, it's, it's, it's this willingness to dig our hands in the dirt and realize that there, there may be some knowledge there that's really worth our while. When you start unpacking the atom and you start unpacking things that the Greeks probably would have thought, ah, that's beneath us. Wow, look at what we found out is really amazing. But we, those of us who know that God was involved in the creating of the atoms, he's involved in the creating of all this stuff, we're not surprised. In fact, we think let's investigate more. Well, I think this is what God wants us to do, is to investigate the world that he has created. Now, some of the, uh, some of the truly great scientists in history who were indeed Christian, Joseph Lister had a septic surgery. Louis Pasteur, bacteriology, you know, as, a, as a home brewer. <laughs> there you go. Hey, he's considered the father of modern brewing, believe yeah, me. how about that? Uh, Isaac Newton, cal uh, calculus, Kepler, celestial mechanics. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Well, you know, and even some of these uh, portrayals of, like, Galileo and the church and things like that, people forget that there were scientists who were Christians on both sides of a lot of these arguments, just like today. Mm -hmm. You know, you get involved in a scientific debate. There's some people who say, well, I agree, and there's others who say, well, I disagree, and they go at it. You know, the, the thing about science, though, that we have also need to understand is there's a limitation yes. to science. And, and this is where I think people, there's a philosophy of science and there's a Christian worldview philosophy of science. Those things are at odds with each other today. But that's not the same thing as talking about the scientific method. Correct. And, and you're right. There are some things that are beyond examination. Exactly. For example, the human soul. Yeah. Well, I mean, even even the idea of what well the kind of knowledge science can give us. Like I said, I always talk about the fact that when you're driving a car, the speedometer, which is a scientific, it's telling you how fast you're going, but it's not telling you whether that's as fast as you should go, or should you go slower, should you go faster. So if you're going 65 in a 25 mile an hour zone, we would give you a ticket. Why? 
Well, see, science can't doesn't answer that question. Uh, there's a moral discussion. There's a there's a higher plane of discussion about morals and ethics. But even there, science is bound by some of those things as well. So, you know, that's I think what's misunderstood. There's a philosophy of science discussion, and then there's what we call the hard science discussion. Christians have always enjoyed the hard science discussions. Well, I remember um, getting into a, a uh, I won't say a debate, a, a discussion way back when, when I was in school, uh, with a uh, fellow who was an ardent believer in science, but by the same token was not necessarily against uh, the concept of, of uh, God. I remember him he, him telling me that religion and science often go hand in hand. Okay. Well, I don't know if they go hand in hand. I think there's uh, there's sometimes where our faith actually demands things of science that it's not necessarily comfortable with, and science also challenges as well. There's a, but I don't have a problem with that discussion. I don't think we should be afraid of that discussion, no. even if there's tensions in that discussion. Um, but again, uh, I, make sure you have clear definitions of what you're talking about, and people don't understand some of the pre- presuppositions they believe in didn't come from science. They came from the Christian worldview that then informed the kind of science that we have today. Well, for example, um, let's go back to the Dark Ages. The Roman mm. Empire has collapsed. Right. Western civilization is gone. Now, there's still civilization. Right. We were seeing it in Mesoamerica. We saw it in the Arab world. It's certainly in China. But what happened in the Dark Ages in Europe? Suddenly something rose where the center of, of knowledge and education at that point was pretty much restricted to the monasteries. Well, and that's the thing. Again, remember the presupposition that a lot of these monks had that God was involved in all of the aspects yeah. of our life. So yeah. not only religious aspects of our life, but the sciences, the arts, uh, literature, all those things. God, God animates all those things. So they held together all these writings from all different parts of the world, as well as copying the scripture and making sure that, that uh, people could be educated when that time came. And then this explodes when the Enlightenment and, and the Christian worldview kind of hit at the same time, a, a spark uh, happens. But again, why would those monks hold on to all those documents and keep copying all those documents? Because they believe God's hand was in all of these things. And, and so again, as you think about that, that's a presupposition, isn't it? Yes. I mean, that is. If you don't believe that, you know, there are people today right now throwing all kinds of things out because they don't think it's any it's worth anything. We Christians would say, don't throw it out. There may be some knowledge there that we can actually put in its proper place. And so many things that we have discovered in, in science today that were supposedly, quote, uh, disproven in right, the past. Right. Uh, look at uh, germ theory, for example. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and again, that 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 hunger to investigate because you really believe that God actually uh, w- would allow you to unlock His universe. Yeah. That's really what motivated a lot of the scientists of, of the of the early period of the, the the scientific revolution. Well, you know that the name of the program is "Free to Be Faithful." Right. Now, so many of these scientists use their faith to examine the world around them. They were free to be faithful, and this is what they did. Right. Uh, they would look at a situation and say, gee, I don't understand this, but I know God ordained it, so right. let me see if I can figure out what it means. I trust it, and, and I've got some tools that are available to me, and the God of the universe uh, obviously put us in a, in a place as, as rational beings to exercise that ration, reason, and love 
for a purpose. I mean, you think about every one of the statements I just meant there said there is a presupposition to good science. Yeah. And so again, I, I think you're right, and it motivated people because they they wanted to see the beauty, uh, they wanted to see the capacity, they want to see the opportunity uh, that this could do to bless the people that they cared about, to bless the world that they cared about. I mean, think of how our lives have gotten so much better in some ways because of that. Oh yeah. So. Well, I look at uh, other societies, and I mentioned the Mesoamericans, uh, who were marvelous engineers. Uh, but, well, gee, you know, our crops failed. Must be because the gods are angry. We can't do anything about it. Or in the Arab world, inshallah. Well, you know, it's it's God's will. Yeah. So... And again, the notion that God wants all things, uh, he wants our best. Um, God works all things for good. Even those kinds of thoughts drive in a lot of ways the Western view of, of a lot of those things you're just talking about. Uh, there is a challenge to that way of thinking today, but then I think it's going to inhibit good science as well. Uh-huh. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think that's the real discussion about what I call the philosophy of science, which is a whole different discussion. Well, one, uh, for example, one major argument today, when does life begin? Right. And, uh, so- and the sanctity of that life. Yes. Why that life? I mean, I always tell people today, you know, our founding fathers who are coming out of that era, um, they had this notion, though, that God created human beings and that gave them innate dignity. Well, can you, if you take away the creative aspect of our world and the fact that there's a God and there's an authority above us, all of those freedoms go with it, too. Uh, the free to be, freedom to be faithful, but even freedom to do good science or freedom to actually challenge the status quo. All that came from the notion, though, that there was fundamental truths, that there was a God who created things, it's orderly world, and we're a special part of that creation with special purpose and special accountabilities to that. Yeah, I get so frustrated when I hear the hear the phrase. Well, it's settled science, right? Well, first of all, scientists <laughs> never talk that of way. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> right. Science is an ongoing process. It exactly. never ends. And again, remember, most scientists will tell you that they're they're not making uh, claims of absolute for absolute issues. They're they're talking about things within which they can control and test. Yeah. And that kind of knowledge is always an ongoing uh, challenge and opportunity. Well, remembering my. Uh, classes in physics and the like. I remember uh, why there are so few, quote, scientific laws, mm-hmm. things which have been proven, gravity, for example. Right. Uh, yeah, disbelieve that and walk off a building and yeah, tell me how you have. do. <laughs> <laughs> but so many other things, actually the majority of things are referred to as a theory, is that right. this is what we think is going on because of our observations. But Maybe we're wrong. Well, and and again, like I said, when we start talking about some of these absolutes, there are presuppositions. Those are the kinds of things we're talking about here. And the Christian presuppositions to life have, have in some ways, unleashed the freedoms that we see in our culture today and, and around the world even, and even some of the knowledge and the sciences and things like that. And that's why we can argue to people that those presuppositions are worth holding on to. But again, those of us who are Christians, we finally see those things in the Scripture, and those things become, you know, in that sense, absolutes in a way that science can't mm-hmm. really deal with them. But look at the presuppositions and what they've allowed to create. And that's how we approach those who are non-Christians and say, well, what, what is this presupposition? Why should I trust it? I can't test it. Well, but again, look at what it's produced. Yeah. Look at what it's framed. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. 
Well, for example, the uh, just look at the uh, Western European and uh, North American traditions of uh, of uh, liberal or the classic sense of a liberal society. Right. You don't see this in other parts of the world. Not necessarily. And again, I always challenge people to say, but it but it flows naturally from our presuppositions to life. Uh, yeah, that people have dignity. That, yeah. That now, other other cultures might have people of dignity, but it may not flow from their presuppositions, and that should should make people go, "Well, that's not good." Uh, ours, in fact, even the things that, that that maybe aren't good in our society, a lot of times it's because they're at war with our presuppositions. So it's, when I tell people, I said, uh, "Well, Americans talk about freedom and dignity, but they didn't always practice it." Yeah, but. We were actually at war with what we knew to be true in our own society, and eventually that got rectified. Slavery. Yeah. Perfect I'm, example. And, and that's my point. So, again, I always say, well, what are the presuppositions of our society? How do they actually move out in a healthy way, and, and how do they provide beauty and freedom and, and justice and those kinds of things? And that's what he's talking about when he talks about the presuppositions necessary for good science. And it varies, I guess, with the with the culture itself. But uh, there is so much that that came out of the modern scientific method that came out of Europe mm-hmm. that other societies didn't have. Now, to an extent, certainly they they contributed to it. For example, the uh, the the probably one of the one of the one of the most important contributions from a non Christian point of view was the invention of the zero. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Try doing mathematics with the Roman numerals. That's right. <laughs> it's amazing the Romans did as well as they did. That is, that's true. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. We can always build on some of that, can't we? Yeah. Yeah. But that was a situation where you know, where the Romans probably said, "Yeah, who needs a, a symbol for nothing?" Yeah. Who needs that? Right? Who needs that? Well, even even when you start talking about the the molecular and and submolecular world, I mm-hmm. mean. Okay, why worry about anything smaller than what we've got now? In some sense, that's unlocked incredible things for us. Well, again, just the idea. In fact, one of his presuppositions is we assume the, the universe is knowable, rational, and here comes the other one, accessible. Now, when you think about that, most modern or most ancient views of humanity were we're no big deal. We're locked out of everything. I mean, the gods may have access to things, but surely not human beings. Mm -hmm. Well, here comes this teaching that human beings are the apex of God's creation. They're the crown of his creation, and they have access to his creation. Again, that's a presupposition that drove a lot of people in the West to say, well, then let's see what this creation's got in store for us. So again, that presupposition right there is, is a powerful one. But it's not in every worldview. No, it's not. Again, this is very much of a Western of a Western Christian right. worldview. Yeah, uh, we could say Judeo Christian because it's built on some of these fundamental oh, yeah. things in Old Old Testament, New Testament. But but again, when you start to say, well, who cares whether we believe that or not? Yeah. What you and I are saying is you should care because look at all the beautiful things that have been born of it. Now that doesn't mean there haven't been some. You know, some of the things we've created haven't been necessarily used properly. But again, uh, the beauty of what we've discovered, it wasn't God's fault that that beauty was misused. You no. know, So even here, we still have a moral challenge to actually utilize these discoveries properly. That's an interesting concept. Science and morality. Oh, yeah. How do they blend? Well, that's what I said. There are certain things that a science a scientist can tell you. It can tell you DNA can tell you that something happened. It can't tell you whether it's good or bad. So I can say that person killed that person. The question is, should you murder or not murder? 
Well, thou shalt not murder. There's a moral framework to what it means to be human. And so the authority, the moral structure of the world that, that's written in our hearts, that's in some sense a presuppositional discussion to good science. Uh, and it actually then helps us to deal with our scientific discoveries and, and make sure that we use even that knowledge properly. Well, I'll give you another example. Yeah, I mean, do. you know, the yeah. doctor, the, the Hippocratic Oath, yeah. that the doctor should do no harm. Yeah. That, that flows from a scientific worldview, and I mean a Christian worldview that actually imposes a certain a structure onto scientific knowledge. There are people who are trying to remove that Hippocratic Oath today. Well, can you imagine going to a doctor who looks at you and says, well, I've been thinking about how I can cure you, but also there's there's a couple ways I could kill you, too, that would be uh, helpful to, to me, but maybe not to you. Uh, and I'll try to convince you of that one. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't want to go to that doctor no <laughs> you know <laughs> it's rampant in europe and it's coming to us right well because here. they look yeah. at you now i mean the, the insurance agencies look at you and say ah, i'm not sure if we want to invest any time in you anymore so blah 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 but the point was the doctors the the position of a, a surgeon a, a position of a physician they should be one who's who's looking at you and saying here's how i would counsel you to life and and whatever these other discussions are i don't want it to ruin yeah. This vocation, and that is that is the one of the presuppositions. Right, it used to be. Yeah, and it still is. I think it still is. But there's a there's a push against there's a pushback against that oath. Yeah, there is. Uh, Again, with with uh, euthanasia, for example, Mm -hmm. I I could see the argument. I think it's an incorrect argument. Right, uh, being that well, we're, we're alleviating suffering. Well, well, again, like I said before, anytime you you. Whenever you solve one problem, the question is, what did you unleash that yes. you didn't know was coming? And, 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 a, and a world is, and that's another thing, our world is a broken world. That's a presupposition. The Christians bring this view that God, that there's a dignity to humanity, but there's a brokenness to humanity. If you don't honor both those presuppositions, you're going to come up with whole different political structures, whole different investigative structures. And again, uh, we've seen the positives and the negatives of those mm-hmm. discussions. And I think, so even in socioeconomics, we can talk about right pre, good presuppositions as well well i think you know one of the basic concepts of christianity is that while mankind can be improved we can never be perfected the exactly. world cannot is cannot be perfected and and again that the bible talks that way that god god is actually at work in the world to preserve it but saving it it's all got to be his gift to the world yeah and no other no other philosophy or religion talks that way either except the christian worldview that's true and and again, you know, it, uh, this is one of the beauties of Lutheranism that I find that uh, the idea that the grace is freely given gives us the freedom to do what God wants us to do, not for hope of reward, but because this is what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And this is uh, again, this is one of those presuppositions that that Christians have in general and Lutherans in particular. Well, and like we were just talking about the the, the uh, extent of scientific knowledge, if you believe that scientific knowledge is limitless. You're going to have a whole different view of what science can do for you, and maybe you'll start to actually be tempted to believe it can solve all your problems. We have a lot of people like that today. But again, the Bible talks about your, our works, our abilities, no matter how incredible they might look, are still broken and sinful and cannot save us. Yeah. So again, that differentiation, that doesn't mean they're useless. That means we can still do good things. Uh, we can do better things, but we're never going to do perfect things, like you said. And so God can preserve the world through our efforts, but he's never going to be able to save the world through our efforts. And so again, Christians differentiate those works of God in a way that no other philosophy and no other worldview does or no other even religious worldview does. And how does this advance science? 
science. Well, actually, it, it actually lifts up science because it says God's at work in science. It's not that God has uh, demoted it, but it's just that he's bound it to a certain degree because it's human beings investigating God's created world. There's mm-hmm. something bigger than than our investigation, but that doesn't mean there's not anything. There's magnificence and, oh, yeah. and majesty in, in that investigation as well. Well, for example, we can look at, uh, say, just how a seed grows. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Well, even just how we deal with bacteria, how we deal with infection, how we deal with all those things. I mean, I think from God's point of view, he's just going, well, that's just the basic stuff that I created for you. But to us, it was was radical. It was, you know, we can do all kinds of things. Nutrition today and how we live longer and all these things. People forget that this, but from God's point of view, it was like, it's always been there. We, We just never unpacked it the way it could have been unpacked. And what the Christian will do with science is to Try to find out what tools God used or what methods God used. It doesn't deny God, and it reinforces him. Well, I think so. I mean, the heavens declare the glory of God. So, I mean, there's a sense we're even investigating. What it can't do, it can tell us God's all-powerful. It can tell us God is incredible, magnificent. But whether he loves us or not, that's a whole different story, because it's usually more about his power and his majesty. But again, while it limits to some degree that investigation to its proper arena, it doesn't mean it's not incredible and wonderful. But that also makes God's saving of the world, too, even more magnificent. Absolutely. Or the sacrifice of the Son. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you just said, well, people say, well, how do we prove that God loves us? Answer is Jesus. <laughs> well, and the other thing is that God was willing to, and we talked about hands in the dirt, God was willing to actually become part of this uh, broken whatever mm-hmm. uh, reality is. He became He became part of the dust of the ground in, in, in the way of becoming born of a virgin in, in the Christmas story. Uh, that should blow your minds, and that should also empower uh, good science because God was actually willing to sanctify uh, the lowest level, if you will, of our existence and yeah. say, I'm here too for you. So again, all this stuff is incredible to me. It, it, it flows naturally from the biblical worldview. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I don't see how a person can look up in the sky at night. I, a couple of years ago, I was visiting uh, some relatives out of New Mexico. Very high altitude, mm-hmm. oh, my no gosh. light produ- no light pollution at all, and I literally was awestruck. Yeah. At the sky. I'd never seen anything like that before. Well, and even the northern lights, if you've ever seen those. Yes, I oh have. my gosh. I've been, you know, we had a place up in Ironwood, Michigan, and we got a chance to see those unfettered, like you said, no city lights bothering it. And oh my gosh. And then you realize in the Bible it says that that Jesus is the light of the world. You know, the sun was brought in later to kind of manage things. Mm-hmm. But there's a sense where we Christians are going, I wonder what it's going to be like when there doesn't need to be a sun because Jesus will be the world's light in yeah. Way that we can't even imagine. So, what is light ultimately? Well, as Christians, we're like, well, let's investigate. <laughs> you know, let's see what we can learn on our own, and then let's see what God can teach us in His Word. Obviously, maybe that's part of it. Uh, is we, while we have faith, we also have, we also have curiosity. Well, and, and I think that's a divine thing. I mean, it's a divine thing to want to be curious about the God who created you, the God who redeemed you, the God who loves you, and the world he created, and, and he placed you into this world to be his viceroy. So you should also be enamored with the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, the world that we have, because he wants us to, to be as loving to it, if you will, and to those that are in our lives, as he is to us. So again, even Christians, and it motivates all the things that we do because we want to give him glory and serve our neighbor uh, in his name, but it, it drives our curiosity. Well, Greg, I want to thank you for being on the program. This has been a fascinating discussion. 
That was a great article. Yeah, it really is. And, and like we ought to give the uh, our audience the uh, the title of it. It's from a website called iApologia, I-A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A. And the article's title is 10 Christian Beliefs That Ignited the Scientific Revolution. It is a tremendous read. It's a good read. Okay, Greg, thank you so much. Keep for Great to program. be here. You've been listening to Free to be Faithful, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for listening and supporting Free to be Faithful on Worldwide KFUO.